Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome back as we continue our series entitled War. This is a spiritual journey into the realm of spiritual warfare. In today's episode, we aim to identify our adversary, Satan, and understand his tactics and character. Drawing from scripture, we learn that Satan fell from grace, leading a third of the angels into rebellion. He is now the adversary, actively seeking to deceive and harm us. Our world is a battleground and we must be vigilant. Uh, recognize the three strategic fronts of this war, our flesh, the worldly influences, and the personal spiritual attacks. As warriors equipped with the armor of God, we are called to declare war on our enemy, for he has already declared war on us. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy the challenge. Well, good morning. And good morning to those of you who are joining us online. Thank you for making the choice to worship at the road. Grab a Bible, something, iPad, phone to read God's Word from. Need two places marked. We're going to start in Ephesians 6, and then we're going to go to John 8. Ephesians 6 first, and then John 8. We're in our second week of a series called War where we've been studying spiritual warfare in our lives, making sure that we understand first and foremost that we are in a war, that we have been trained and equipped for that war, and that we have a strategy to win that war. So today we're going to try to uh, begin understanding who our spiritual enemy really is and uh, who are we at war with, what are his tactics, and what are his weapons. We want to know as much as we can possibly know about our enemy. Sun Tzu, who wrote the book, The Art of War, the most famous book on warfare, said this about military intelligence. He said, military intelligence is the key to war. Without it, you cannot win. And here's the truth. Most of us have been embroiled in a war we know nothing about. Many of us didn't even know we were in a war. Those who did know there was a war really didn't know that much about it and who we're at war against. So I want you to read with me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and then we're going to pray and jump into our message. Verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I want you to pause and look at me. What happened in your life this week? There was a flesh and blood incident. You say, what, what do you mean, Pastor? You had a big fight with your wife, your husband, your kids. Uh, you had a big blowout at, at work, a big blow up over something at work. Uh, somebody cut you off in traffic, right? And this is the way our minds work. They were out to get you. And so you respond by cutting them off in traffic. And, and, and could it be that what you thought was a flesh and blood incident wasn't a flesh and blood incident at all? Remember the question that we walked out last week with that we want to ask before everything in life happens. And that is what's really going on here. What's behind this? That maybe what's behind your argument with your mate is not your mate, but something bigger. Maybe the trouble with your kids is not the kids at all, but something bigger. Maybe the trouble at work or even something as simple as the person cutting you off in traffic that reaches over and pushes the button on you that unleashes what you wish wasn't part of you. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Paul goes on to say, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Would you pray with me? Father, you, uh, well, first of all, Father, we want to come with great respect to this topic. Not fear, but respect. Uh, Father, understanding that... Uh, we are to be armed with the truth that, Father, we are in Christ, that we have already won. And yet, Father, we still find ourselves embroiled in a daily battle. 
And Father, we want to learn how to win. We're tired of losing the battle to sin. We are tired of losing the battle of our families, watching our kids make decisions, Father, that don't line up with Christ. Father, we're tired of not reaching this world. And so, Father, we, we, we are ready to go to war. And I pray that you would teach us, that you would find us, that we have ears to hear and eyes to see, that our hearts are soft today. In Jesus' name, amen. So who does the Bible say uh, Satan is? Well, there's a, just a, a couple of passages that really talk about this. Uh, one of them, you might want to write this down because we're going to cover a lot of ground today, is in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 17. And, and you have to do a little bit of uh, theological work there to figure that one out, read some commentaries, that sort of thing. Uh, we're going to reference in a minute. But the one that's more clear is Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Now, when you put those two together, they tell us that Satan's name originally was Lucifer. Son of the morning star is what that means. Incredible spiritual being. The passage in Ezekiel tells us that he was powerful and beautiful beyond all imagination. When we get over to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah begins to tell us that he fell from his position because he desired to exalt himself against God and be God. And before you go, ah, yeah, that's Satan. Understand that the struggle you go through and I go through in life is the same struggle. We want to be God of our own life. I want to make my own decisions. I want to do what I want to do. And not only in my life, I'd really like to be that in other people's lives too. Right? I mean, think about it. Think about what happens in your home. Right? All the conflict is because somebody didn't get their way. Because they want to be God of that area too, that domain, that's Satan. I want to do what I want to do, and I want this to unfold the way I want it to unfold. And when, you get, when, when that happens, the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 4, says that a third of all the angels followed him and were cast out of heaven. And this is who we go to war against. So, so what do we know? We know this army is big. It is invisible, but it is big. It is powerful, and it is real. It is real. Crazy, interesting stuff. Matthew and I have been talking about how much we have learned because we've never really pushed into this area. That in Scripture, Satan is never called Lucifer again after he fell. Right? The beautiful name, son of the morning star, is gone. Gone. From that point forward, most often in Scripture, he's referred to as our adversary. So let's, let's just break that down for a second. The one who opposes God the one who opposes what God wants to do with you. He is your opposition. He is my opposition. And so the Bible tells us three things about Satan, three descriptions. And we're going we're gonna to flip over to John chapter 8. Go ahead and do that with me. John chapter 8, verse 44. And we're going to read... What Jesus said about Satan. Uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says to them, You are of your father, the devil, for you want to do the desires of your father. Here it is. Here's your first one. He was a murderer. That's the first thing we know. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. Remember last week we talked about this is not to see who's the strongest. This is a truth battle. This is a truth battle, which leads us right to his next description. There is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature. He is a liar, and he is the father of lies. So right there are two descriptions. Let's start with the first one. The Bible tells us he is a murderer. 
He is a murderer. That comes from the Greek word, a combination of two words, anthropos, which means man, and tien, which means to kill. Here's the crazy thing about what the Bible says. It is not so much that Satan wants to end your life. It's that he wants to end what God wants to give you in this life. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Jesus said, I came that you might have. Okay, let's do better than that. Jesus wants you to have what? Life. Abundant life. Satan is more concerned that you don't live that abundant life than he is that your heart quits beating. So what does that look like? Well, that looks like living without any joy. That looks like living without any peace. That looks like living without any uh, purpose in life. And and here's here's what I, I wrote down. Satan can take your life without ending your life. I want that to sink in for a second. That the majority of people you and I know have had what makes life good and meaningful and wonderful taken from them by Satan. And he doesn't care how long you live as long as you don't live with any life. He steals from us the abundant life that God would make available to us. And look right here at me. Just because you call yourself a follower doesn't mean he hasn't stolen that from you. Right, you live in your life filled with anger. You're alive, but you've lost life. You live in your life with no peace. You're alive, you've lost life. Some people live in their life with no love, right? You're alive, but you've lost life. That's his goal. That's his goal. He, he is a murderer. He was from the beginning. So get a really, really, really clear picture because you go, wow. This is one thing when it's about you, right? I need you to understand he wants to do this to your kids. That he wants your kids to have no peace, no purpose. Start to see some cultural things happening. Start to see some cultural things happening. No joy. That he's not happy just to get you. He wants your marriage. By the way, how's that doing? No joy. No love. You're living. But he done stole your life. He's done taking it. And the second thing ties right into that. He is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. And the phrase that is most often used in Scripture to describe Satan and the work he does is deceiver or deception. And I want to give you a few of the passages that tell us this because we we need to understand this if we're going to go to war with him. So here's the first thing. Genesis chapter 3 verse 4 and 5. Satan came in the garden in the form of a certain, and he deceived Adam and Eve. Okay, watch what he did, because it still works today. It's probably happening in some people's lives that are here. He told Adam and Eve, God's not as good as you think he is. Oh, don't eat that? Yeah, he didn't want you to eat that, because you eat it, you'll be like him. He's not as good as you think he is. Now, we're all good with God until something bad happens in our life. And when something bad happens in our life, here's what happens. In our ear gets whispered this. If he really loved you, this wouldn't happen. He's not as good as you think he is. And we bite. We bite. He is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 says that he disguises himself as an angel of light in order to deceive. I don't want to get off on this, but I need you to hear it. 
You need to be really careful who you read and who you listen to and who you watch that guide you spiritually. Because the Bible says some people will take that position in your life and talk about a little God and a lot of other stuff and deceive you. That say, this is so important to Satan that he would, he, would dis, he would disguise himself as an angel of light. Someone with good news in order to deceive us. How about this one? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, wear the armor of God to stand against the schemes of Satan. Again, that is deception. Revelation 12, 9, Satan deceives the whole world. Revelation 20, verse 3, Satan deceives all of the nation. So I need you to understand that our enemy is working 24-7 to deceive you and I. Now, you should be asking the question, about what? What is he trying to deceive me about? And listen to my answer. Everything. Everything. Let's talk about it for a second. Let's talk about money. Right, if there were one area that we were probably more deceived in than any other area in this country, in this culture, it's money. And here's the other thing I need you to see about these lies. You live the life you live mostly because that's the life your parents lived. And they live the life they live because that's the life their parents lived, right? Very seldom does that change. The same way works in the positive things, right? The spiritual foundation you have most often came from the family you come from. And unless something's going to change, you've got to change those patterns and those habits. We pass along bad, we pass along good. Unless something changes those habits, that's how life unfolds. So when we believe a lie, guess who else believes a lie? It's our kids. You look at your struggle in life, and you be real honest with yourself, and you ask yourself this, did my mama and my daddy struggle with this? My mama and daddy struggle with stuff. How about, how about passion? Out of control passion. Mom and daddy struggle with it? You struggle with it? Gossip, anger, negativity, criticism. Right? All those things. And so Satan comes to us. He lies about them. If you're single and you're here, he'll lie to you about sex. Only young people have to worry about purity. Really. Another lie. Doesn't matter what it is. Marriage, parenting, church, who God is and how God is. He'll lie, deceive us about everything. So here's what I'd like for you to do for just a second. I'd like for you to pause and ask yourself, which lie have I believed? Where have I been deceived and what deception have I passed on? Tough. Tough questions. Third one, and this is the ugly one. He is a predator. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the, the word predator, it's an ugly word. Predator means someone who's looking for someone to hurt. Who do they look for? Where well, they look for the young? They look for the weak and they look for the isolated. And of all the things in life, the predator is the lowest of the low. The predator is the lowest of the low. Because the predator takes advantage of life. So, so are you tired today? You know, I don't, I don't want anybody to raise their hand. I just want you to answer the question. Because if you go, Pastor, I'm just so tired. You're setting yourself up as prey. Now you start to understand what's happening in our lives. Are you isolated today? 
I'm going to say this again before the service is over. Pastor, I'm isolated because I'm embarrassed to talk to anybody about what's going on in our home. Well, I got news for you. If it's going on in your home, it's going on in about everybody else's home. Right? We're all the same. You're a man. Pastor, I'd be embarrassed to tell anybody what I struggle with. If you're a man, you're struggling with what every other man in the room struggles with. You're a woman. I don't want to talk what I'm struggling. You're struggling with everything everybody else is struggling with. But Satan will tell you it's not true. He'll tell you to keep yours a secret. And here's what happens. When you fight in isolation, you lose. You lose. You're fighting a predator. He's waiting for that moment in your life. You know what scares a predator to death? A warrior. Be one. Be one. So there are three fronts. I'm sorry, I got ahead in my message. The world is a battleground, not a playground. Understanding what we have already talked about, uh, you begin to, to see this isn't a joke. That I can see things in my life that are lining up with this now. Why things are happening the way they're happening in my life. As a matter of fact, if you play in the middle of a battleground, you'll become a casualty. If you think this is a playground, you keep playing. Because you're in a war zone. People who play in a war zone become casualties. Our enemy does not play fair. If you look at who a lion attacks, we've talked about that. The weak, the isolated, the vulnerable. That weak part of our life is a spiritual target. That isolated part of our life is a spiritual target. That's why we live in community. That's why we develop groups where we can share with each other what's going Look, it's, it's just simple. I want somebody watching my back. If somebody's got a gun and they're shooting at me and I'm looking this way, I'd love to have somebody standing here going, I got you. Who does that for you spiritually? Who, who's looking for the blind spots in your life spiritually? And it just breaks my heart that so many people go, I, I got nobody. I got nobody to pray for me. I got nobody to go to war with me. Living in isolation. And we become prey. There are three fronts on which this battle is fought, right? So I'm going to break it down to you. This is what it looks like when we do spiritual warfare. Here's the first one, the flesh. The front of our flesh, that part of us that loves the darkness. So about three weeks ago, maybe it's more than three weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago. A buddy of mine here at the church, he said, hey, can we do lunch? We've got lunch. We're talking about everything. And he says, hey, what's the word agape mean? Well, we've been around church. Most of you guys go, oh, agape is that selfless love. It's the God love. It's, it's the love that's perfect and, and beautiful. And he goes, well, what does it mean in John three nineteen when the scripture says, that men love darkness more than light, and the Greek word there is agape. And I watched all my theological stuff go. <laughs> because if that's the God love, how does it love darkness? And if that's the selfless love, how does that love darkness? Push in a little further. New understanding of what it means. Why is the word agape like God? Here it is. It's the greatest love. What is God's greatest love? For God so loved, he gave his only, now you know his greatest love. And the writer of scripture in the gospel of John said this, your greatest love, my greatest love is darkness. That given the choice, look at me, own it, this is us. Given the choice, we'll choose darkness.
I chose it already today in the second service because somebody did something I didn't want them to do. And I am sitting up here and I'm going, I'm already mad. Watch, 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 watch. I chose darkness. I chose darkness. It's that easy. It is that easy. Men love darkness more than anything. Second, second thing. Oh, by the way, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. There it is. Inside of us. Spirit and flesh at war. War going on between us. Romans 8, 6. The mind is set on the flesh is death. But the mind is set on the spirit is life and peace. There it is. Black and white. So step one of the strategy to win the war. The spiritual war is to win the war with your flesh. Now here's the truth. Most of us are living in defeat to our flesh right now. Most of us are living in defeat to our flesh right now. I'm going to illustrate it to you. Had this conversation a hundred times in the last year. Hey, you doing the Bible reading plan? No, Pastor, I don't have time. I'm going to start, but I don't have time. Well, yeah, I'm going to correct that for you. Right? You got time. You don't want to. We get everything else in life done. So watch. In, in, in terms of Scripture, this is what this means. You have chosen to pursue the flesh rather than the Spirit. It's just that simple. This is the first front we do our war. That's why I'm telling you, man, this is where it starts. Do war with the flesh. We practice no discipline in our lives. Not financially, not, not in terms of food, not in terms of God's word. We practice no discipline. We are living in bondage to the flesh. And it gets real quiet at church when we start talking about that. Right? We, love, we love talking about drug addiction and alcohol and stuff. We start talking about tacos and donuts. Not so funny anymore. <laughs> right? Bluebell ice cream. <laughs> Living in bondage to the flesh. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to push a little further. I'll get back on my notes in a minute. You living in bondage to bluebell ice cream, that ain't all you living in bondage to. I'll promise you right now. It don't ever work like that. You're in bondage in the lesser. You're going to be in bondage to the greater somewhere else in life. Somewhere else in life. So the flesh. So the flesh. Second front is the world. Uh, the Bible has some really interesting things to say about the world. In case you wonder what's going on, listen to these. John 16, 11 says that Satan is the ruler of this world. Ephesians 2, 2 describes Satan as the prince of the power of air, which means he controls and guides the course of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. John 12, 31 says he is the ruler of this world. And 1 John 5, 19 says we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in power of the evil one. You want to know what's going on in this world? There is a value system in a culture that is controlled by a spiritual entity that we cannot see that is in opposition to Jesus Christ. That's it. And that is the war we find ourselves in. I'm going to show you how this works. I wanted a hat. I got a pumpkin head. My wife took a long time for me to, to admit that. I got a pumpkin head. Normal hat doesn't fit. Baseball hat doesn't want to stay on my head good. So I'm looking for some kind of hat to keep this thin hair from burning. We start talking about that. I open my social media and I got 147 ads for hats. <laughs> Who's listening? I'm going to show you what the world does. 
The world will take whatever your struggle is, you name it. If it's substance, sex, stuff, and it'll set a table before you so that you choose it. There's the world. So you say, man, my deal is I love to look at some pretty women. Go turn your TV on in the world to make sure you get all you want. I love stuff. I love a smell of a new car. Go turn your TV on. World to make sure you want one. Right? Whatever it is. Right? You angry? Go watch the evening news. Do you see this? Do you see what the Bible means when it says the, the whole world is under the influence of the evil one? And he's setting a table before us to tap the area we're already weak in. So that we continue to live in bondage. The third one, the third area, the front of personal spiritual attack. Uh, most of us, most of us have not successfully dealt with our own flesh nor the world. So we very, very seldom deal with direct spiritual attack. Very, very seldom. We still live in bondage to the desires of the flesh. We get that thing beat down. And now it's this whole system working against us. And it's like, it gets, it gets like so big that, wow, wow how am I ever going to win this? So Satan sets back and he goes, I don't, I don't have to unleash the big guns on you. You're already living as a slave to me. Right? You're already feeding the desires of the flesh. And when you get done with that one, I got this whole system called the world that's just going to whip your butt. I have to unleash the big guns. So when does personal spiritual attack take place? Listen to this. It will begin when you say, I am done. I will not live as a slave to the flesh. Think about how many times the Bible says that. Nor will I be a slave to this world. I'm going to war. And when you go to war, then get ready. Then get ready. When you push into the darkness, the darkness pushes back against you. When, when, you, when you pursue God, you got Satan's attention. Until then, he don't care. He'll let you live to be a hundred. As long as he's got your life. True life. But you start pushing in, going, uh-uh. I'm taking back the ground. Listen to this. I'm taking back the ground that I've lost in this spiritual war. He won't like it. He will not, will not like it. So what do you do, Pastor? Because this sounds hopeless. And it can get that way, right? We can live as a, in, as a slave to the flesh until we think we can't live that way. So what do we do? We sang about it today. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names. Listen to me. The creator will always be Lord of the created. Always. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you. Who's in you? Because if it's Jesus, you are living in Christ. In Christ. You fight from victory for daily victory. So we're going to wrap this up and I'm going to ask you this question. Are you ready to go to war? And I really need you to see, because look, some of us got our hands full fighting our own war, right? And I understand, look, look right here at me. 
Some of us have our hands full in our own personal war. We can't even begin to fight for our marriages yet, our kids. Because, man, it's, it's going to take everything we got to win our own war. And I get that. I've lived that. There are still days I live it. Still days I live it. And maybe that's where you are. Here's what I would tell you. Do not fight alone. Do not let Satan whisper in your ear today. you the only person who has this struggle. It's a lie. He is a deceiver. The last thing he wants is for you to line your spiritual army up against him and go to war. Don't listen. And then there are going to be some of you here and you need to go to war for your marriage. Right? I had a couple last service, 13 years of marriage. And they're up here and they're crying. He had my shirt was wet. The shirt was wet from this guy crying. He said, man, we're just at each other. At each other. I said, I need you to understand something, brother. God's doing some stuff in your life. And Satan is about dividing and defeating. And he'll do his best to divide you. How about you? You live in that stolen married life where there's no joy, no love. The enemy has taken ground. Are you ready to look at that and go, I declare war and I'm getting the ground back. I am not living this way anymore. How about your kids? I got adult kids that I gave up way too much ground on. Way too much ground. I'm ready to fight. Ready to go to war to get back the ground Satan has stolen. Right? Go on living. Still the life. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray. And this is your opportunity to step out. Our ministers are here. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. Be bold. Be humble. Be real. Let God do what God wants to do. Father, thank you so much. For all you've done today, Father, the people you filled this building with, God, I pray with, with listening ears we could hear you. I pray, Father, with eyes that see reality we could, Father, pursue you. That, God, today we'd have the freedom to no longer fight alone, but, Father, to join a spiritual army that would go to war with us and for us. That, Father, you would do some great things in, a, in the lives of your children today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.